All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Jokes, the podcast, the podcast where we talk about jokes, explicate them, and do a literary dive in and see where the conversation leads us. I'm Josh Burrows, and I'm sitting here, as always, hopefully forever, with uh, Eric Norvell, who's co-founder and uh, podcaster extraordinaire, and uh, I'm bringing the joke this time, but you know, start by checking in and seeing how we're doing. So first things first, what's going on, man? Yeah, not much, man. We're just, we're in five weeks of quarantine and I've gone officially insane. Uh, <laughs> shaved my head and not just, not like just with, oh, get the number two clippers. Yeah, I know. I, I got, I went down and then I, then I went to the leather with, uh, why did you do that? All right, first of all, um, it was great seeing you starting with the video part of this podcast. And I'm, I was especially glad to see that you've gone full Britney Spears on me, only you've added a mustache. I think right. she might have if she could have. <laughs> that <laughs> it, it might have been in the mix. I, do, I, didn't, I don't have access to like opioids or whatever was <laughs> hanging around at that time. You know, handfuls of Xanax. <laughs> it probably is. I mean, that really... That's the, that's the hurdle, oh. the bar- barrier to entry for full-on Britney-ness, Britney you, dumb. You need to walk me through the thought process right quick of what led you to shaving your head straight to the leather. You know, what, okay. <laughs> where was okay. it? All right. So it wasn't as whimsical as it sounds. <laughs> Did you have so, <laughs> <laughs> For years... I've been saying, man, I just need to shave my head. It's something I say kind of to fill space and also to represent my complete fed upness, my complete discontent with the universe. And so I'd been saying it for years. It's usually around the holidays because that gives you time to just kind of like ruminate. Yeah. And, uh, and then, you know, come March 13th, when things started shutting down, then March 20th, 2020, when Governor Gavin Newsom of the state of California issued a shelter in place, I thought, huh, well, this would be a good time to do it. But, <laughs> and so I started b- bouncing it off the family again. And last Sunday, we had a Zoom conference with extended family just checking in across the country. Okay. Uh-huh. And uh, my wife made a little fun of me. He's like, Eric keeps saying he's going to shave his head, but he's never done it. He's not doing it. <laughs> that's not how she sounds, by the way. Um, that's, you're, that's you're married cool. to a mother. Is what you The world. Eric's not shaving. <laughs> so, so I, uh, that afternoon, I enlisted my 11-year-old daughter to grab the shears and sit me down in the kitchen, and boy, did she have fun. <laughs> she had fun. She said, this is very satisfying. I'm like, yeah, it kind of is, actually. So as I got shaved, and then it felt weird. I had to go over it a few times, get it closer, and then I just I went and got some um, Gillette disposable Mach 3s and just uh, – Get it rolled through it and went right down to the bone. Yeah. Well, I didn't even cut myself, which was, I think, Thank the good. Lord. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then I've never had much facial hair and I've just really, I, I don't have, I don't know, it's genetics. I don't have the great <laughs> facial hair growth. And um, 
So I, I don't know what to do with it, but now I just have this weird mustache that I don't know if it fits my personality or if it makes my, I, I have no idea. So I've got Not a bald just head. The mustache. You've also got the flavor saver in there. I do. I do. I got the, the flavor saver, the soul patch, um, <laughs> which I, my wife points out, I have mocked on other people my entire life. I have made fun of it whenever anyone has it. Now I have it and I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> and I'm, I'm afraid to shave. Cause I don't really know what I'm doing, but yeah, I'm full insane. Uh, the, <laughs> lo- the lockdown's gone. It's just nuts. This really has become like dorm living. I'm working out of my garage. Yeah. The, the couch is there. I mean, it's, <laughs> I, it's crazy. I I'm, I've now I've been looking for the right hat and I consulted <laughs> a friend of mine who is big into hats and he, I sent him a picture of my head <laughs> and his text back was, you need hats, lots of hats, <laughs> lots of hats. Dude. I know, I know. Yeah, you've I, gone off the deep end. Well, what I've been considering is the Stetson 6X Open Road, which is the hat that Lyndon Johnson wore. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like a sound choice to me for sure. It's Where just... Where would you go to get one <laughs> during said, a pandemic? You, you just know? go online, Stetson hats or something. It's got to be, right? The hat yeah. shows some haberdashery somewhere that has like a, you know, internet savvy, you know, <laughs> CEO that knows how to get shit done. There's something right. like that somewhere. Well, you know, you know, Josh, I mean, I spent a lot of my years in the West and not just like <laughs> by the coast where everyone's a millionaire, but like out in the ranch country and, and yeah. you know, out in the Badlands. Yep. And uh, I, I could, I could hang on a, cowboy hat or uh you know a tom mix style or like cisco the cisco kid kind of hat how in god's name did we become friends this is what i need to explore (laughs) there is no fucking reason whatsoever for you and me to be talking for our lives to have come together even at all you know it has to do the found the foundation of the podcast. I think represents at least one common interest. Yeah, at least one. At least one. At least. Look at I, I. I definitely have not gone about this uh, pandemic losing my mind. You know, follically. <laughs> that hasn't been that hasn't been my road for mental breakdown for me personally. Partially because I've tried to grow a beer in the past. I mean, I lived in Israel a couple of times and you know, used to be a rabbi. So if there's ever, a, you know, an excuse in the whole entire world to have a beard, it's like my last, you know, career choice. And uh, I got to tell you, man, that shit is too itchy. <laughs> I, can't, <laughs> I can't get past day seven. <laughs> I, I was running yesterday. No, no, no. I was bicycling. I was exercising. <laughs> it's all confusing to me. This is how far we've come. And I was biking up the road. I saw another guy on a bike coming down. And I was like, God, he's got a really big mask on. And he got closer. It was beard growth. It was the <laughs> thickest thing. Like, I didn't feel so bad about my bald head because that dude had clearly just gone like, like Charlie Manson, just like <laughs> boom. And it looked, it was so thick and black. It was just like a Yo, full on mask. I, I thought beards were going to be a casualty to the to COVID-19 because it, when you think about it, I mean, you could house a lot of stuff in there, man. You know, you wipe your face once and then you have to like basically be in the shower for an hour. 
just shampooing it over and over and over again in order to ensure that you get something out. And when you got your mask on, all it is is a cushion to hold the mask against your face. So it just renders it completely pointless and like use, useless. You know, that's like kind of how Hitler ended up with that mustache because like the big long one, you couldn't use the gas mask with that one. So he was like, well, we'll get more efficient with this and pull it in. You know what I mean? So I kind of thought this is going to be like a different facial hair time, but it's so far it hasn't, doesn't seem to have uh, gone by the wayside just yet. But, no, everybody's um, just shaggy as hell. Yeah. Um, with my current, my current comportment visage, I think I could get like temporary, I could enlist my kids to henna tattoo my face with like various post Malone type yeah, things. Here's what happens when that happens. You had a tattoo your face thinking for sure you've got like at least another month and a half, two months for that to wear off. But then very next day, you know, Newsom comes on and is like, guess what? We got a cure and <laughs> we produced enough. You can just line up, take a number and be out of this shit by Saturday. You know, <laughs> and then you're gonna be stuck with a bald head and henna all over your face. <laughs> Yeah, it makes it hard to go places, I guess. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Uh, well, what do you got, Josh? I mean, well, I, I mean, this is a perfect, me, but I think you're bringing a joke. I sure, I sure am, and this is actually a perfect uh, uh, segue into the conversation because uh, the comedian that I want to talk about today is a guy named Paul F. Tompkins, who's famous first of all for a mustache, so there's a relation there, <laughs> and he's also famous for his absurdist uh, humor and. Uh, kind of observational absurdist humor. And, uh, and so, you know, very much segueing into the way in which we're losing our minds slowly but surely during this time of uh, self-isolation and also facial hair into this guy is sort of perfect. So uh, have you ever heard of Paul F. Tompkins before? Is he a comedian that's ever sort of like been in your bubble of the kind of comedians that you would listen to? Yes, I mean, for a while, he had a he had a podcast, or does he still have a podcast? Right. Um, he had a he's he's like the podcast king in terms yeah, of a guy who's been on a gazillion podcasts. Um, <laughs> I can't even begin to. I, I printed up his Wikipedia page by the way, which was a mistake. This is fucking twenty pages long. I did not know that shit when I first print. So now my printer's broken. But um, but the dude is like he's like the that guy of uh, being a writer on shows, of being a drop in on movies and of being a guest on podcasts. If you try him on Spotify, he's been on just basically everything at some point. So, yeah, yeah. And, and he has had his own podcast, and I don't think he does his own podcast right now. But there was once upon a time a Paul F. Tompkins podcast that I think might have ended in 2013. Wasn't it called the Paul F. Tomcast? Yes. Yeah, and I think he did it from 2010 to 2013. But I could yeah. be incorrect right now, honestly, because this Wikipedia is so long, I didn't fucking memorize it. Um, but uh, yeah, he's been on like everything. Um, so yeah, so have you ever heard his stand up before? I've heard on the uh, on the comedy stations on Sirius XM. Yeah, um, and probably some YouTube stuff. Yeah, from time to time. Yeah. All right. Cool. So uh, you know, it's really interesting, and I and I got kind of I sort of chose this joke just because I like it so much. Um, I think, as I said at the very end of the last episode, this is one of those jokes where, you know, the first time I heard it, it had me doubled over laughing. And if I stay away from that joke for a year, I can come back to it. It'll have me again doubled over laughing. Um, I could like think of a person who I meet or a friend who, who maybe never heard this joke before and I could share it with them. And then they get to be doubled over laughing and I get to be doubled over laughing, watching them laughing. You know, it's like one of those jokes that I find myself coming back to quite a bit. 
one of my sisters actually introduced me to this joke, and I forget which one right now, um, but I'm sort of forever grateful. So in 2007, he did a, he did a, um, a live show that he recorded um, at the UCB Theater, uh, which is the first thing to kind of really point out about this guy, because he's really a UCB guy. Um, and, uh, you know, that sort of means something in the comic world in terms of what his background is. But he's been around for a long time. And, um, and in this particular stand-up, which is called Impersonal, he goes from like one absurd joke to the next. I mean, he does a joke in there. Have you ever heard Impersonal, his stand-up? No, I don't think so. So he, like, he does a joke, a great joke in there about genetic engineering where he's like, you know, he's talking with a friend and his friend is like, uh, you know, wouldn't it be great if we could like take a cat, just like a household cat and genetically engineer this cat to be the size of a dog, you know, like a golden retriever. <laughs> and now you have like a, like a bobcat size or like a, like a mountain lion sized, you know, house cat basically. And he, and he goes, well, you know, obviously this, this is a flawed plan because, you know, everybody has that experience where you're, you know, you've got a cat on your lap and you're petting them and everything is going just great. You know, <laughs> and then at some point the cat gets upset at you and then turns around and bites you and calls you and runs away. Well, with a larger cat, you know, that's a significant problem. So here's what I'd like to do. I want to shrink a bear. <laughs> so you know, this whole bit about having like, of like a, a bear that's like the size of a loaf of bread, you know, <laughs> like you see him going around your apartment, scratching his back up against the like limp post, you know, and uh, it's, it's hilarious. So leading into the joke, and you'll appreciate this because I think you're, are you part Irish? What's your Irish feel? You got some Irish going on in there? There's probably a little Irish in there. There's a lot of Scottish, a lot of English. Oh, All right. You know, and, and that's from, from the, uh, the war back in, uh, <laughs> the 11th century yeah, and when the French part became the Scottish part. So yeah, yeah. I'm all, I'm all up in that North sea. Yeah. Straight. Yeah. 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 Okay. So a big chunk of my blood is from there too. Um, my, on my dad's side, um, got that nice little kind of Irish kind of Gaelic sort of, <laughs> sort of thing going on. So he does this bit about the potato famine, but this is leading into the joke I want to do. And the, this part is like, just really kind of warms up into this next piece. So he's like, you know, he's of Irish descent and all his childhood, he learned about the different potato famine of, you know, 17, who's was it? And, uh, and about how horrible it was and how, you know, how awful it was and the people were starving and everything. And then he just goes, I mean, are, are they not the pickiest people in the whole world? <laughs> And he like acts out this whole thing where he's like, uh, you know, trying to like convince an Irishman to eat corn, but doesn't want to eat corn because of this like texture, you know, he doesn't like it. He tried it once at a party. It wasn't good. You know, it's like a whole, a whole bit about that with, um, with the uh, uh, potato famine. And then he leads into this joke. So the reason why I like this joke is because it's a very quick setup and then a very long punchline. So here's the setup. He goes, not long ago, I was in a novelty shop because I am a fan of hilarity. And what I noticed was they are still selling the gag peanut brittle. You know, like the peanut brittle in the can and you open it up and oh my God, snakes go flying everywhere. What a great prank. You know, I think the best time for this gag was the 1800s. You know, like before they had entertainment, people used to just sit around and you know, stare at an open fire. <laughs> and he goes, what I noticed was 
they've updated the can to make it look more modern because that was the problem. And that's it. That's the setup right there. So uh, first things first, like what's your thoughts to like some of the jokes leading in to this type of humor um, and to what that setup is? Like where does this like bring your brain when immediately you're thinking that setup? Where does it bring my brain? Um, mm -hmm. I'm thinking he's got to point out that why would there be snakes in a peanut brittle can? Yeah. Right. I mean, because it seems like a patently absurd notion. Right. Yeah. And he's pointing out that updating, updating the can. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm prepping, he's got me prepped for something funny cause he's already, he's yeah. uh, telegraphing his fun poking. Right. Yeah. He's, telegraphing the absurdity of the whole premise like the joke itself is ridiculous isn't it i mean the, when i say the joke i mean the 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 idea of the prank of snakes in a in a peanut brittle can. <laughs> i don't even know if i've ever seen a can of peanut brittle no, <laughs> wait, wait, don't jump on that just yet first of all have you have you ever seen that trick before has, has yes anyone... absolutely that's like what my grandparents would have in their house like <laughs> yeah. it was it, it's one of those old like post World War II type jokes that you order from that page in the comic book. It's like, oh, you know, you know, uh, X-ray vision and seahorses, and then a whoopee cushion, and then a peanut brittle joke. You know, that did, kind of stuff. Did you ever like meet one of those like kids who is like fully a kid, but is like a kid going on like eighty-five? You know what I mean, like. Seven and a half going on 85. <laughs> Have you ever met a kid like that? Yeah, they're a handful in my life. They're they're rare from where well, I come from, but I've been well traveled. I, and, I can uh, yeah. <laughs> I can tell you in the Jewish world, it's about a one to one hundred ratio for a child. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a one percent so like every chance, every grade uh, has one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. When you go to Jewish camp, if you've got 500 kids there, there's going to be five kids there who are like, pull my finger, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, busting you know? out Henny Youngman lines. <laughs> Pinching Take the tissues my of wife. female counselors going, hey, toots, you know? It's like, come on, dude. You're seven. You got to chill out, you know? <laughs> too much. Too much. So, uh, yeah, yeah, 100%. I've totally come across that, that prank, and it totally happened in Jewish sleepaway camp, and it was from that kid. You know what I mean? And you come across it and it's just hilarious and ridiculous. Um, and the whole point of it is to scare people. But, but the idea that it's a peanut brittle in a jar. And what's so funny is that the one that I came across is this modernized version. So he's going to send us to one direction that you kind of led to and another direction you kind of spoke about there um, that uh, he's going to essentially have two punchlines that he weaves together. Do you want to hear the punchline? Sure. All right, so he, he goes like this. He goes, that's just funny to me. You know, you, you imagine like off somewhere, some enterprising young executive of a novelty company is pull his, you know, pulls his best people in and goes, gentlemen, we have a problem. We're not gonna sell any of these old fashioned looking cans of peanut brittle. I want five modern thoughts on my desk by five. That's right, five by five. Yes, I know it's a Saturday, but they did it. They got that shit done such that now if you were to come up to me and say, Josh, would you like some canned peanut brittle? I would say, 
Oh, oh, canned peanut brittle? The most common snack in the entire world? I'd love some. You know, what I think I love so much about canned peanut brittle is just that I'm so used to eating it, you know? <laughs> Here's my routine. Every time I go to the market, I head straight to the brittle aisle. I go to the peanut section. Do they have the case in cans? You bet they do. Load that shit in my cart, buy that shit, take it to my car, pop open a can and just start eating the peanut brittle. Love it, love it, love it so much, love it. You know, what I think I love about it so much is that you can find it anywhere. I mean, <laughs> you can find it in a card shop, you can find it in a gas station, you find it by the side of the road. There's literally canned peanut brittle everywhere you go. And so when you ask me, Josh, would you like some canned peanut brittle? I have no reason to be suspicious. Whoa, what was that? You, you know what? I owe you an apology. You're nice enough to offer me canned peanut brittle, a snack we've established is very common, and I have the audacity to bring suspicion in this? You know what? Shame on me. And so, if your offer still stands, and you'd like to offer me some canned peanut brittle, a snack so common, it might as well be water for how much it is found on God's green earth, then I would love to have some. Oh, no, no. I will open the can. You have done enough. Enough. Oh, look at this. A twist off. Oh, my God. <laughs> and he goes, oh, 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 my heart is beating like a jackrabbit. Sir, I don't know where you got this can of peanut brittle. Probably one of a thousand establishments in this local area. But just as I was about to open my umpteenth can of peanut brittle and expecting to have that savory smell, what should happen but two venomous cobras go jumping out? One of them tried to hook my eyes. He flew past. What, what was that? I'm sorry, what'd you say? Blood, blood coming from my ear. What? Metal springs encased in vinyl. You, sir, have fooled me twice. And that's the joke, right? <laughs> that's, that's the whole joke. <laughs> oh my God, what a piece of performance. It's, per it's perfect. It's absolutely, I fucking love that joke so much. Um, and every time I hear it, it just absolutely destroys me. And, you know, I think it's a really kind of like fitting conversation to bring someone like this in, in comparison to someone like Dangerfield, who we talked about last time. Because whereas you can imagine that like in a world where Rodney Dangerfield is a complete recluse, right? Where he's not friends with anybody. He's not connected to anybody. All he ever does is go from his like home to um, a theater to perform stand up back to his home to whatever thing and doesn't have any friends or anything and hardly does anything with his life, but is still able to come up with all of his jokes because his jokes are like an internal search. You know what I mean? Whereas with this guy, he's like fucking living in the world and then sharing with us the things that he finds funny. Um, so as a conversation in terms of like what an observational comedian can do, I think there's something really potentially interesting here. So let's talk about this joke first. So what, now that you've heard it, what are your initial thoughts about it? I think it's a very good joke. I think that it is one of those things that maybe people would have had in passing in their mind before you know when you whenever you see something the idea of canned peanut brittle is a little off but because maybe it exists i mean yeah. if if you were handed a can of peanut brittle 
you could say you could you could say maybe it exists you're not gonna <laughs> the absurdity of it of course is him saying the most common snack because you know of course it's not um peanut brittle itself i don't even know where you get that um i'm assuming it's around christmas time usually and then it disappears you can because- find you can find like uh, peanut brittle and like Whole Foods and places like that. And sometimes like it'll be in bags in like little snack spots and in, in like Vons and different grocery stores. Some you can find peanut brittle. I swear I've seen it at Seven Eleven near the, near the girls' school. <laughs> <laughs> it <laughs> seems like beef jerky that someone makes in their like you know in their living room. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> makes in their basement while they're <laughs> you know putting on a a scalp. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> it, it, peanut brittle always reminds me. It reminds me of two things. It reminds me of my grandparents' house. Yeah, because there always seemed to be peanut brittle there. It never seemed to be eaten. It just seemed to be like uh, almost the way that potpourri would be put out. You know, just kind of like sitting there. Like this is peanut brittle, and we have flowers, and we have potpourri. You know, it's like that's. That kind of thing. And then also, it always seemed to be at my dad's house for too long after Christmas. For some reason, people would give him peanut brittle. You know, it's like, you know, some people are like, well, thank you for your, your sir. You know, this year we did some business together. Here's some peanut brittle or, <laughs> um, or a fruitcake log or something. And the peanut brittle would sit there for months. It lasts. It would never, it would never get eaten. No. And the, re- the reason it would never get eaten possibly was because nobody eats it but also (laughs) because my dad had like full upper and lower plate false teeth and i just don't think that's something that you can do if you have false teeth it seems pretty complicated seems like a complicated maneuver for a mouth with false teeth in it for sure (laughs) right and so so going back to the joke um i think it's i think it's a it, it sets it's like symphonically absurd. Uh-huh. He's he's pointing to the oboes of absurdity. <laughs> he's pointing to the violas of absurdity, which are, I think, reputationally absurd instruments themselves. And he's kind of playing this image, and he's beginning. And he's really he is kind of he is conducting his own orchestra, mm-hmm. right? And he's playing it, and he's repeating it, and he's making sure that he has that resonance. So as I think about it, he's really doing something rhetorical and musical at the same time. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. By the way, before, before we get too far away from peanut brittle, you, you should know that that was, uh, peanut brittle was my dad's uh, uh, crystal meth. It was 100% <laughs> my dad's crystal meth. Because he loved it and was addicted to it, but it like destroyed his stomach every time he ate it. And so, but he couldn't keep his hands off of it. And uh, yeah, someone would give a peanut brittle and he would say, no, I can't, you know, my stomach. And then you'd find him three in the morning huddled in the corner <laughs> with like peanut brittle in his beard, just like, you know, <laughs> naked and shivering. <laughs> so here's the question. Have you eaten peanut brittle? Yeah, it's great. It's great. I, I would not, I don't recommend it. I mean, it's not a thing to eat with braces, first of all. <laughs> I don't recommend it if you have a tendency to chip your teeth. Second of all, third of all, I don't think peanut brittle has a half-life. 
You know, like I think peanut brittle and jerky and like homemade fruit roll-ups is 100% the way to go if this whole pandemic thing is like leading to an apocalypse. Because you know, that shit keeps forever. And I'm like in the favor of any food that when you're done, you're not quite done until you take a mallet to it. You know what I mean? Like that's how peanut brittle is made. They make it on the flat sheet and then they just take a mallet to it and chop it up. And then they put it in bags and it really sharp ends. You know, if you're not careful, you could totally cut yourself on a thing of peanut brittle. And then you have to explain how you like, you know, pierced your cheek in the hospital to, to doctors as they're sewing you up, you know. Because there's no precision to it, right? They would have to get a glass cutter to come out and actually make, like, we want yeah. squares of yeah. peanut brittle. No, that's we don't not what have they the do. Tools. No, they, they just take a mallet to it and it chops it right up. And then, uh, and then you end up with these, like, all these different totally unique misshapen pieces of, you know, pieces of peanut brittle. <laughs> and, it's, and, and there's a whole, but it's not just, the, the brittle world is, has quite expanded over the past number of years is something I've noticed. Like, I think, I don't know how often peanut brittle kind of had sole mantle, but now there's all different kinds of brittle. You know, I, um, my understanding is first they were like, Hey, maybe we can make almond brittle. And they're like, what if we just get out of here and go nuts and make banana brittle? <laughs> little brittle is a little out of control. Banana brittle? I don't know. I never tried it before. I just kind of tossed that out as a potential option. But I bet you anything there was such a thing as banana brittle. I'm, I'm sure. I'm yeah, sure. Man mango look. brittle. Yeah. Is. They make like spicy peanut brittle where they take like peanut brittle <laughs> and add like a spice component to it, which sounds adult. You know, that's, that's the type <laughs> of shit that like, you know, I would have experienced as a kid and then it just would have reinforced my hatred for adults. <laughs> 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 that maintains till today. <laughs> like that one time that I drank apple juice thinking that it was apple juice, but it was really tea and spit it out and then never trusted anybody ever again. <laughs> that explains a lot. Doesn't it? Doesn't it? Yeah. Explains, it may explain this podcast. I don't know. It probably does. It probably does. But I mean, look, when you think about like the best observational comics, you know, I mean, you're thinking about guys like Bill Burr, who really knows how to take a thing that people think about and then find the funny in it and point it out in a way that you just maybe never had before or had, but it was such a fleeting moment that it didn't stick with you. And then he brings it out in a way. Or like a Dave Chappelle, right, who does the same thing um, and is able to like really like explore very challenging topics while at the same time, you know, um, keeping it funny and keeping it observational. This guy, he does political stuff, but at the same time, it's, it's in the absurd part of it that's like so funny because think of it. I mean, you've been to novelty shops before. There's plenty of things in there that nobody's ever heard of in pretty much sure. any novelty shop that you could go to, you know. But he finds the one thing that like everyone's heard of. And then finds the one thing about that one thing that like we never really thought about, which is we should be onto something when anybody offers you a can of peanut brittle because when in your, when in your life have you ever seen a can, a can of peanut brittle before? <laughs> that is absolutely correct. And yeah, I mean, you go, so say a place like, I don't know what, Spencer's Gifts? Is that adequate as a novelty shop or is that I too... Mean, I don't even know. Like I'm thinking a place like, um, along like a have you ever five driven, and dime? maybe, or like, have you ever driven route 66, like the whole way? <laughs> Not the whole way, but Not the I, whole way, but like through Arizona, for example, or you well, certainly through New Mexico. Yes. Where you stop off these like trading posts. Yeah. 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 There's this, uh, um, first of all, there's this crazy town in, in Arizona called Oatman which is just about the nuttiest place you can ever drive through where they have like more uh, burrows. And I don't mean me, I mean like the animal 
um, then they have people and you could just go there and adopt a burrow if you want to. I'm totally going to do that one day. <laughs> this would be the time to do it. A lot of people are getting dogs right now. I think I might get a burrow. <laughs> I just have a burrow in my apartment. I bet my, I bet my apartment complex has some kind of, I have to check the file. Anyway, check so the lease. Check, check the, lease. the lease. But there's this place along Route 66, not far from there, that's like Crazy Gus's or something like that, or Crazy Ed's, or I don't even know what, but like Crazy Ed actually works there and they sell everything from, you know, those like lasered pieces of wood that you can get. <laughs> right. <laughs> to like old, old license plates and like an old guitar with a speaker for some reason. And, um, and then, you know, things like, uh, gag peanut brittle, like that's the kind of place that I think of where you go and see that, you know, <laughs> places like that. Right. You um, can get a spoon that says Winslow. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck happened to Winslow? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sure. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think, I think he's, he starts building it. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that? on that premise. I mean, I think it's perfect. I mean, I think it's exactly what that is. And what I imagine is, is that that is a joke that he came up with in real life, that he really was in a novelty shop, that he really did see that, that he really had this first thought of why did they update the can? And then his second thought was, why am I believing that it's a real <laughs> can of what is wrong? What's wrong this thing? And I imagine he's there with a friend and he starts acting it. And then that becomes the, you know, the seed for what the joke is. You know, I mean, it's that kind of observational comic like the Bill Burr, like, you know, the, I guess Dave Chappelle in a way less so because that dude retreated. But like the Bill Burr where it's like, no, you have to go out and live in the world. Um, and when you do that, you find the material. You can't just like be a recluse in your house. You have to really be out there in the world. And that's what that's the picture I get of Paul Tompkins is that he's actually out there in the world finding things that are funny. And then you know, remembering what his thought was and then bringing it to stay onto the stage somehow, um, which is just a whole approach to that, that, you know, I really appreciate. Because um, first of all, it encourages me to get out in the world <laughs> to find those things. But also it makes me think about like those things that I have that are like that. Do you know what I mean? Like, like that's, that's what like I was most interested in talking about with this was like, what are those things out in the world that you encounter that just make you laugh every time you see it? I mean, I could start if you want to get like an idea of what I'm talking about. Yeah, go for it. There's nothing in the world funnier than fucking uh, men's bathroom supplies. No, there's nothing in the world funnier. If you've never had a chance to go and take a real deep dive into like what, what the names of our soaps are and like <laughs> the names of the different scents and like what they're doing there, like they are really employing humor and trying to capture us. There's, there's a soap out there where it's like, you know, you buy this soap so you can smell like naval supremacy. <laughs> or like, what is oh, that, like a, a broken sewage <laughs> pipe on a carrier? No, it's just a big bar of soap. This is like, this is the man's soap. This soap isn't for vegans. This soap is the soap when you, you want to use when you want to smell like naval supremacy. And I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm buying that soap immediately. <laughs> right, right. You go to the manager like, I want one shaped like a dick. I need Dude. it. I went and and it has like not too big though because it's going up my ass like seriously. That's what I'm saying. Or like or um uh, uh Axe body spray and Axe um uh, deodorants have definitely put the coin like you know for me at least absolutely cornered the market on great names for scents. 
You know what I mean? Like if I want to get a good laugh to myself, I'm going to put some dark temptation in my armpits. Because dark my temptation? Armpits are a dark temptation, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> and that is 100% one of my lines on the dating apps that I had <laughs> been using. You should check me out because my armpits are a dark temptation. <laughs> okay, so you Google, you Google Axe body spray. That's all you put in. Yeah. All right. First thing yeah. that comes up is Axe body spray. You know, mm -hmm. find your magic is apparently their slogan. <laughs> and then it says people also ask, and the first question is, which Axe body spray smells the best? <laughs> What's the okay. Smell? And then say? you just cl you click the arrow and it pops the list down. Phoenix, uh -huh. Africa, yes, Hot Fever, <laughs> Kilo, clicks with an X, uh -huh. Apollo, and next to Apollo, this is the number one X scent. Any girls like me now with just a X Apollo body spray. <laughs> their comma head they put in my shoulder that's <laughs> i didn't realize axe was owned by russian bots dude this is what i'm telling you man it, it's so worthwhile it's just a joy every single time and that's the thing like i try to like have those things in my life that i just find to be hilarious and then i encounter those things and crack myself up i got a million bucks that says you've got a couple of those easy yeah i mean I may have to come back and edit them in. I mean, <laughs> the fact is I, I live in a house full of girls and I just, I really honest God have no idea where people come up with things that we can purchase. Like I, I honestly, I would never in a hundred million years have invented 95% of the things that are in the house. I mean, <laughs> like, llama shaped things elephant shaped things uh things that smell like things that i've never heard of yeah. um just an, a tremendous number of things that apparently evoke some level of uh dopamine related uh pleasure mm -hmm. at least for an instant or two while they're accessed opened observed and then put away and then occasionally Reaccessed by looking at dropping uh, or throwing away. <laughs> this includes things like bath bombs. Yeah. Um, I find the names of stores and establishments sometimes to be funny. Like, um, have you ever seen there's a chain of, speaking of like, um, you know, <laughs> follicle removal, there's a, a chain called European Wax. Um, that's around here in the San Diego area, maybe more. Have you ever seen a European wax chain? No. That, that, that shit cracks me up every time because I, I insert the word Eastern before European and it just makes me laugh because Eastern European wax would just basically be no wax. Like you walk in there and the <laughs> person would say, you're fine, go. <laughs> and they would just go. And every single time I see a European wax, I imagine that scene and it cracks me the fuck up. <laughs> well, if you want to go on or, ridic ridiculous names, you you were from the Midwest, or at least yeah. you spent some of your time in the Midwest, right? Yeah. yeah. Did you ever encounter come and go? Yes. Yes. K-U-M. Yes. And go. <laughs> Change it. 
Just change your <laughs> people change, change their names. You can change <laughs> your this is not it's not a good name. No. It's not a good not name. Yo, there it's was there a, was a there was a pharmaceutical company called ISIS. And then <laughs> ISIS yes. had, they were like, hey, we should change our name. So they did, you know, <laughs> come and go. You've had years. <laughs> I, mean, I think everyone has let you know, right? <laughs> There's a there's a law firm, a big law firm, and all the lawyers know this. Uh-huh. Morrison Morrison uh-huh. Forster. Uh-huh. Their website is mofo.com. <laughs> yes, it's there true. is a a youth group, a synagogue youth group I knew that joking there was a temp, the youth group was called Temple Israel, and the youth group jokingly wanted to name themselves Temple Israel Temple Youth, so they could be titty. <laughs> and, then, and then also there's a synagogue i know of um a lot of times synagogues like to kind of like like kind of hebraicize their names you know because a lot of the older synagogues did like a mix of like hebrew names hebrew words and then anglicized hebrew words so there's a synagogue called uh um, b'nai zion um and it's somewhere in the united states i know where but i'm not going to tell you um, and, uh, what makes that funny is, uh, B'nai is Hebrew, meaning like children of or son of, sons of, and Zion, they mean Zion because the word Zion means, um, you know, Jerusalem. So they want to say B'nai Zion, but Zion is how you say sort of, it's like Jerusalem's nickname in English. The problem is there's also a word Zion in Hebrew and that word means penis. So um, if they were carrying the Hebrew through, that synagogue is called Temple Sons of Penis. Have you let Zion Williamson know this? That poor guy, like he's going to be the next great basketball player. He should, he should know this. I think he's probably fine. <laughs> but I'll write a letter and let him know. He doesn't have like it's not a Hebrew word. If he was like B'nai Zion, then it's like oh well, that's sort of a problem, but. Yeah. Yeah. Those things, those things, those things happen. So that's the other thing about this joke, right? Is that it kind of brings you to those sort of moments where you find something that you kind of think is funny and maybe it's like a little spelling mistake on a menu or um, maybe it's like, you know, a funny take of like those types of like, you know, I don't know, uh, establishment names and things like that, but you can really relate to that. Um, his genius is, is that he finds it and then remembers it and then performs it, you know? Right. Remembering, writing down, performing other things. I have to repeat these things to myself to keep it in, in my head because I've, yeah. I've got other things going. Yeah. But, you know, I've been writing things in business for years and I make the same typographical errors that at some point will become extremely embarrassing. Yeah. A friend of mine once was writing about grouping a user. He was writing a software manual and he left it as groping a user, which is like, you know, that's good. My main typo (laughs) though has to do with the word account. Okay. And for some reason my fingers move too fast and I continually type echo cunt. And I have to come back and fix it. I just it happens all the time. Eco cunt sounds like something that like Rush Limbaugh would call somebody. <laughs> Am I right? Or? Exactly. All oh, you <laughs> libtards and eco cunts. 
Uh-huh. Keep my taxes down. Whoa. Yeah. Autocorrect is more Oxycontin, like please. Oh, yeah. Autocorrect is hilarious like that. It's like um, uh, some of the words that it changes into, like, like, I just did becomes I just died all the time. On my autocorrect, I'm like, what are you telling me? And it, for some reason, my autocorrect won't let me write the word you. It always tries to change it to thou. And I'm like, you're autocorrect. What year do you think this is? Like, I don't understand why you keep bringing me to uh, such formal English. Like, this is pretty intense. Um, yo, so, okay, listen, you, you got to check out, just listen to some of these things that are, that are part of the, you know, shows and movies that uh, Paul F. Tompkins has been a part of. You ready for this? Sure. All right, so he was in, I'm just gonna do movies that I think you probably heard of. Um, Jack Frost, Magnolia, uh, Anchorman, Legend of Ron Burgundy, uh, Tenacious D in The Pick of Destiny, Tenacious D, Time Fixers, Super High Me. He had a small role, he played Prescott in There Will Be Blood, The Informant, Tangled, Helen back and he was in between two firms the movie um, in terms of shows he's written on the likes of Mr. Show with Bob and David Tenacious D The Daily Show uh, News Radio Dr. Katz um, Frasier Real Time with Bill Maher uh, Tough Crowd with Colin Quinn King of the Hill um, The Late uh, Too Late with Adam Carolla Sarah Silverman program Weeds he was on um, Pushing Daisies Community um, I'm skipping through stuff. He was on. Uh, no, it looks like he's in. I, I just pulled up his IMDb. He's been super busy in TV. Was, yeah. For a decade, and yeah. he was in BoJack Horseman. Yep. Yeah, that's him. Jeez. I, this is what I'm saying. Like, I printed up. I literally, I printed up his IMDb page. I mean, his uh, Wikipedia page, and it's 20 pages long. I mean, this guy is, in a way, like the ultimate that guy in comedy. You know, where you like, you don't think it's, you wouldn't expect someone to know him off the bat, just like someone who isn't exactly a comedy nerd. You wouldn't expect them to know him. Um, but as soon as you pointed out, like, you know, who he was in this or who he was in that, all of a sudden, it's a whole other, you know, sort of ball of wax in terms of what, what you see this guy has been in. And he's really made a living for himself by developing a really devoted fan base. So, for example, he he's, he doesn't promote his stand-up anymore. He just, he uses Facebook and social media. And there's a bunch of different Facebook clubs that are like, bring Paul F. Tompkins to this city, that city, or wherever. And people sign up and they commit to go to a Paul F. Tompkins show. And once he gets 300 people, he goes and performs for them. That's outstanding. I mean, it's genius. It's absolutely genius. Well, he's so, staying pretty busy. Looks like he's... 51. He's in the prime yep. of his career. Mm-hmm. Friends with Adam McKay, who's mm-hmm. king. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Outstanding. I mean, that guy's got steady work. Yep. Um, I'll have to rewatch uh, There Will Be Blood, which I do occasionally just to <laughs> teach me how to be better at business. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> that's funny. And he's been in every podcast known to man, basically. Um, every single podcast known to man, including one of my favorites. Um, he, he's been on uh, Star Talk Radio a bunch of times with Neil deGrasse Tyson, which is really fun, um, as like the comedic guest who makes Neil deGrasse Tyson funny. Um, but he was also in a podcast for a while called um, uh, The Thrilling Adventure Hour, 
which is uh, old time, it's live performances, old time radio, new time comedy in the format of old time radio. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, some of those things are absolutely brilliant, completely absurd, but absolutely brilliant. And I highly recommend checking that stuff out. I don't even think they record anymore. Um, but the ones that are, you know, that they've got up on Spotify are just amazing. Um, and hours and hours of entertainment for sure. So there was one question that uh, we wanted to make sure to ask. And I think it was something like, how close is this type of comedy to like your perfect comedian? Wasn't that it? Like, how close is this to like your perfect kind of joke? Right. It was something along those lines. Man, I got to take better notes. <laughs> I, I listened to the episode a few times, so I remember. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I, I remember that was toward the end of the last one. Mm-hmm. Um, perfect joke. I, I think that is, as far as a work of precision, pretty high because yeah. he's doing the right repetition. He's doing the right pacing and he's not, he's not, you could subvert the joke at any point with a simple misstep, right? You could use mm-hmm. the wrong word, the wrong, t- wrong, wrong phrasing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't get there. What's the fu- what's the final line he says? Uh, you sir have fooled me twice. You sir have fooled me twice. Yeah, that's funny. The formality of it, right? Mm-hmm. And he's staying with this vaguely heightened approach. Maybe mm-hmm. he's in control of your spell check, the these and the thous. Maybe yeah. it's you know maybe you have the Paul F. Tompkins humor <laughs> filter on there, where it's absurd that someone would be talking about a peanut brittle joke in that way (laughs) it's absurd that we're listening to it all the way through and the fact is we're all collectively poking fun at the joke at ourselves because we've all probably either fallen for it or seen it and not given a second thought to it and then he's drawn this out he's he's eviscerated it and he's just he's just showing it all right there it's great using this base very um middle class sense of humor and Mm -hmm. taking it and attempting to break it apart in a heightened way that conflict i think creates that disparity creates great humor and then to show even more how ridiculous by by narrating the process i think pretty damn good joke i mean i'm i'm not i'm I'm never comfortable rating jokes, but that's pretty damn good. It's good. It's really good. And you can tell that it's crafted. You know, this isn't just something, I mean, maybe he worked it out on stage and then, you know, whatever, but you can tell that the beats are really important that he hit, that he hit them exactly right. Because, you know, the way he ends with the setup, he gives us everything with the setup and just leaving it, you know, because that was the problem. You know, they updated the can because that was the problem. And, but he doesn't give away what the answer is. He just says that. And he even holds off the answer there, you know, because the first thing he does is take you to the ridiculous scene of, you know, the young enterprising executive who like puts pressure on the top men to like get it done, you know, (laughs) like how ridiculous that is that like, you know, that meeting had to happen in some version of that. And then he takes us to why it's ridiculous, which is that who's ever seen peanut brittle in a can. And, um, And then to go off on that for so long, you know, is, is, um, is just, he's just over and over again, you know, talking about emphasizing, you know, how ridiculous it is that there's peanut brittle in a can that you never, ever, ever see that. Um, 
which is just just wonderful. I mean, when I heard that joke, what I thought was, I'm memorizing this immediately, and then I'm praying for the day when someone tries that prank on me. <laughs> it never came. It never came. <laughs> it was like 10 years ago when I first heard that joke, and it still never came. Time. There's still time, and I, it was nice to rememorize it for this uh, for this podcast <laughs> because now I'm once again armed and ready. You know, like what I got enough toilet paper, and I got that joke all set. Bring what happens? What happens to all the uh, what happens to all the guys who are born at the age of eighty? You know, don't they don't they go out into the world and you know become sales managers and then just continually recycle those jokes? I mean, have you not run across them at some point? Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't wouldn't one of them have a peanut brittle joke somewhere? A hundred percent. hundred percent they would. Oh my God. The next uh, comedian, I've already decided what my next joke is going to be. Uh, this comedian, Jackie Cashian, who I really like a lot, but she's got this great joke. She does a lot of stuff where she'll like make fun of herself for having dad humor. She's got this joke where she comes out and it's like the holidays and she's like, you know, it's holiday time. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. You know, happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. If you're an atheist, I hope you get your laundry done. <laughs> <laughs> And she goes, she goes every year with that joke. Every year, that joke never dies for me. I'm like a fucking dad with that, that joke. <laughs> it's, now, it's just be, before, before we get away from this Tompkins joke, let's yeah. go back to how he presented it with, the, um, with that corporate setting. Do you think he was gently pointing out that we're all suckers? That we're all just being sold? Yeah. You know, that, yeah. that like, I mean, I think the joke is all that anyway, uh-huh. but, but to say, come on guys, really, you know, you think it's clever and cute, but at the end of the day, there's some dude making decisions like we're going to manufacture a hundred thousand of these <laughs> and we're going to send them all across America. And they're going to be, this is going to be huge. And this is going to be a line item <laughs> in our end of year report. And it's going to yeah. be peanut brittle joke peanut brittle <laughs> prank you know what are the what's the margin on that you know <laughs> what if we get how are we do we consign the space in the in the trading posts or do we actually sell by the you know, <laughs> yeah. like how do we do it? It, it 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 makes you sort of realize or at least he pokes that initially and then shifts over into the very fact that suddenly it's out there in the world and people are using it. A hundred percent. That's ridiculous. A hundred percent. It's here for sale, which means that people buy it, which means that there are people who actually think it's a good prank, which means there are people who fall for it, which means that somebody somewhere looks at a jar of peanut brittle and thinks, sure, I'll have some peanut brittle out of a can. And <laughs> because everybody at least of a certain age would certainly know what that joke references. Uh huh. I mean, I, I don't know, but it had at some point it was pervasive, right? Like the, the games, I don't know, those little triangle, those games that were like on a square piece of wood with holes shaped like a triangle and you <laughs> yeah. would jump, you know, um, like golf tees over one until you yeah. and try to remove like, as many as possible. Right. And if right. you could get down to like two, then you're brilliant. If you get, only get to like eight, then you're like, you know, like maybe you need to be in, you know, <laughs> yeah. special class. 
<laughs> you, need, you, need, you have real problems. Yeah. But those things, those are pervasive. You, I don't even know the last time I saw any of this, <laughs> but maybe I just don't get out. Maybe I'm no, now Rodney Dangerfield. I just go out and go home. You don't go, go to the Cracker Barrel enough. Is there one? Is there yeah. one in my vicinity? Yeah. <laughs> Where? There's a, there's a Cracker Barrel that's it's somewhere, I think, probably an hour around you. You can find a Cracker Barrel. I, I'm not going. But it's I good thought, to know. Yeah. I thought it was just a Southeast thing. I did not know that they were here in California. I thought that was really just like once you hit, you know, you know South Arkansas. Carolina, then you find the Cracker Barrels. But no, they got them out here too. I, I traveled through, I think I traveled from New Mexico to Kentucky with okay. my dad. I think that was the last trip we took before uh-huh. he got sick and died. Yeah. And we, yeah. we stopped. I swear to God, it felt like the only place he would eat was Shoney's. Like, <laughs> like it was a joy to him to find a Shoney's everywhere we went. Springfield, Missouri, yeah, um, Jackson, Mississippi, yeah, um, Memphis, Tupelo. I mean, it was like everywhere. Those things are everywhere. Did you ever? I don't go think to there's a, one out here. No, no. You have to go to the Midwest for those. Did you ever go to um to an A and W stop? A and W truck stop. There was an. So you want to talk about the pervasiveness of A and W? There was one yeah. across the main. I guess you'd call it a highway. Yeah, it's not really a street where my dad's machine shop was. Um, so yeah, there was one. Those places. I used it best, primarily right? as it was primarily a clean bathroom. That was really what it was. A hundred percent. But the food wasn't that bad. Plus all the root beer. Right. Plus all the root beer. Let's you not know? forget <laughs> what created those things. Yeah. The root exactly. beer. Sarsaparilla. Needs its own restaurant, man. Oh, that's really funny. That's really yeah, I think crazy. if we continue to do this podcast, you'll realize that I pretty much just look for clean bathrooms. <laughs> like, just I, I, I know them far and wide. I can tell you the worst in the country. You know, just I've traveled a lot, so. But maybe that should be its podcast. own podcast. You know, road trips where the best bathrooms are. America's Banos. Do you have a list of your top 10 favorite bathrooms from road trips? I don't have a list, but I can come up with it probably pretty quick. <laughs> Please do that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've, I've seen a lot. I've been in a lot of truck stops and oh, a man. lot of like out of the way places. Oh. I mean, you get into the South. Yeah. I'm not bad mouthing the South with this particular anecdote, okay. set of anecdotes. Yeah. I will badmouth the South on other things, but <laughs> you it's hot and it's humid yeah. all the time. Yeah. There's no break. And so every bathroom that isn't inside of an air conditioning an air conditioned building mm-hmm. is usually outside access access and it's hotter not in there. climate controlled. No. And they are just disgusting. Yeah. It's very now that's the that's the kind of place where you would likely have the legitimate fear of opening the door and two <laughs> cobras coming out at you. You know, you're in Beaumont, Texas or something and that happens. So, I don't know if you've had a chance to like travel to the trough countries, 
But I, there are certain countries that fall into the category of what I call trough countries, which are countries that don't have individual urinals. You just kind of line up with a bunch of dudes and pee into a trough. Have you done that yet in your life? Uh, yeah, there are football stadiums in the South. That are just like well, that. well, fuck a duck. <laughs> I did not know. <laughs> I did not no, know. That. Except it's not. It's not so much like a, a um, like a a dug a dugout trough, like like a. <laughs> Like a canal? Is that what you're saying? Like, yeah, yeah. No, no. I'm thinking more like of a like one the, long, like a long urinal. You know? Oh yeah, I've done the long urinal. It's just a big like metal tube or yeah. tub, yeah. and I've also done the the piss wall. There, there's the. You, I'm sure you've seen the piss wall. It's just like a a tiled piece of concrete that they start pouring. They put a a pipe over the top and run water down, so it ostensibly is flushing the piss down the drain but everyone just stands there awkwardly just pissing on the wall standing right yeah. next to each other yeah i mean i'm from i'm from you know i lived in new york city for a little while that whole city is basically a piss wall <laughs> without the, the without the pipes leaking down and washing oh, it into yeah. the gutter new york city in like the middle of july when the rains haven't started yet and there's just like you know cooking dog urine basically and Oh, it is uh, it's just fabulous. The smell, the smell of the city at that time of a year yeah, is just truly a wonderful thing. Well, I had to go to Israel to pee in my first trough. And there is nothing quite like, you know, just watching your urine mixed together with a bunch of other dudes' urine. I'm telling you what, this podcast has taken a turn. This is going to be some interesting editing. <laughs> I'm thinking well, about keeping all we're going to have to take some time on this one. A little this bit. Good a little bit. <laughs> I, you, I, I will say I, I have no problem ever, maybe not for this podcast, but I have no problem ever discussing <laughs> bathrooms. Like I find, I find it absolutely fascinating how people are uh, <laughs> sort of averse to the topic, but like no. we all go in there. And there are protocols, there are unspoken rules. Um, and, and I think 20 years ago, Jimmy Kimmel and uh, Adam Carolla struck on it on The Man Show when they had this one, this one sketch mm-hmm. where Jimmy Kimmel would go into a men's restroom and uh, ignoring all protocols would go, if there was a guy standing at a urinal, he would go stand at the urinal directly next to him. <laughs> Even if all the others were open, just directly yeah. next to him. Yeah. Start talking yeah. to him. Yep. <laughs> we know you don't do that. And he would say things like, he did one that's killed me because he, this is just taking it all the way to the next step. Went up to the guy next, went up to a guy who was urinating by himself, went and stood next to him at the urinal right next to him, looked over, looked down, and goes, yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> That's you know, that's great. I I had a really good friend. Maybe we should end on this note. <laughs> so, <laughs> we, may have to, I, we may cut this out. We may have to re-record the ending. We may have to re-record this. Out. There's there's some stuff in here, but uh, uh, I'll leave you with this. I I had a friend uh, in um in middle school and high school who was just hilarious, and he knew about this stuff too. Where it was like you kind of recognize the rules and you can break it and be hilarious. And, and so what he used to do occasionally is. He would stand at the urinal and he would just drop his pants and his underwear straight to the floor, all the way to the floor. Then he would stand with his hands on his side like superhero po- pose, like <laughs> fist closed, and just urinate into the urinal like that. Oh, my God. He'd oh walk my. in and just die laughing. That's not how it works, dude. <laughs> That's how it works for him. That's how it works for him. Oh, my God. That was just great. Anyway, so should I take us out? <laughs> take us out, man. Take us out of this. Yeah. 
Yeah, Thanks for the uh, joke. Good joke. Uh, thank you, thank you. Well, uh, do you happen to know what joke you want to do next time? Oh, I'll find one. You'll find one. I got one for backup if uh, you don't find one, but uh, we'll jump into it. But in any case, uh, thank you so much for listening to jokes. Uh, tune in next time at Jokes, where we see how much we talk about the bathroom. Um, and uh, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to us. Please like us if you can and uh, share us with your friends and neighbors and uh, um, everyone you can think of. I help spread the word about this podcast and uh, we look forward to seeing you next time. Until next time, Josh. Until next time, Eric.